You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 38, airing on September 27th, 2012. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahovia. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. And if you're joining us for the very first time, thank you so much for checking out this podcast. We very much are, uh, our mission is to really do just that, is to help, help you as an audience member and help us <laughs> as hosts to understand the issues better, to be a voice in helping to combat human trafficking and to make a difference in ending it. And it's particularly if you are joining us on the Stitcher Radio Network, we just recently have been picked up by the Stitcher Radio Network. So mm. we're glad to nice. welcome our new listeners from Stitcher. And if you're listening on Stitcher for the first time, welcome and please do hit us uh, hit favorite, uh, hit like or hit favorite on your Stitcher app because that way you will continue to get new episodes from us. And we want to continue to stay connected with you. And in particular today, we've got, uh, Sandy, I think a topic that is really uh, hopefully going to get all of us. I know it certainly has gotten me thinking a little differently just in the last few minutes as we've talked about our outline for today's show on how we can really um, think about, uh, you know, prevention and, and approaching human trafficking from a standpoint of needs. So mm. we're going to look at that extensively today. But before we do, we want to give you a resource to reach us at if you have comments or questions for us, either about uh, the prevention strategies focused on needs that we'll talk about today, but really anything in relating to Ending human trafficking. Uh, if you've listened to this show for any length of time, you know Sandy is really someone who's just has a tremendous expertise in this area and is uh, always willing to respond to listener comments and questions. And we'll certainly bring those onto the show here in the future. So you can reach us two ways. One is to call the Global Center for Women and Justice, and our number is 714 966 6361. Or Sandy, uh, folks can also reach us by email. At and our email address is GCWJ, you know, Global Center for Women and Justice, GCWJ at Vanguard.edu. And of course, the Global Center for Women and Justice is uh, uh, held here at Vanguard University of Southern California. And so we're excited to be a, a big part of the Vanguard community and Vanguard's uh, continued outreach to uh, not only provide great education, but to help make the world a better place. And we're uh, we're excited about that, Sandy, to be part of that larger mission of Vanguard's. And so today we are going to look at how to, uh, some prevention strategies focused around needs. And Sandy, this is something that I think for a lot of us who have you know been involved in uh, thinking about ways to end human trafficking and thinking about prevention, I think we've a lot of us haven't thought about it from this framework. So I'm really excited to have a conversation about this today and to have some dialogue about how we can start to reframe some of our thinking around prevention. I have just been really struggling with how can we do a better job of preventing 
our kids from being recruited into commercial sexual exploitation. There is a lot of stuff in the media about this phenomenon here in our own country and around the world. I'll be speaking at a, an academic conference in, in St. Petersburg, Russia, with people who are concerned about exactly the same issue. How do they do a better job of prevention? And many of our prevention strategies historically have been information-based. Um, in Moscow, I remember when I was working in Greece, I learned that IOM, which is the International Office of Migration, had put billboards up in Moscow, and you would see them on the main highways where literally girls would be in a car on their way to the airport, and they may be trafficking victims. Mm. And that information did not stop them. And when I was in Kiev a couple of years ago, I saw billboards like that on my way to the airport. And I asked some of the young girls what they thought about those billboards. And they said to me, well, it's not going to happen to me. And I thought, oh, that's exactly what we talked about when we did the episode about brain development. Yeah. Um, there is this uh, sense that... Uh, the executive decision-making process in our brains is not completely done. And so the decisions that are made are made with um, the limbic part of the brain, which is based more on emotion. And so it was not a big surprise for me when I read an article written by someone teaching how to recruit girls to build their business on selling those girls. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I want us to kind of look at a couple of the components of this article because um, the title of the article is How to Be a Pimp, Using Maslow's Hierarchy of Human Need to Make the Most Money. Yeah, and this is a, unfortunately, a pretty serious article on how to, um, you know, directed at pimps on how to do this. And it really utilizes, uh, you know, as uh, you had mentioned earlier when we were talking about this article, Sandy, it kind of utilizes Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, but kind of perverts it in a very strange yeah. way. Um, and, and unfortunately, it's very powerful because they are really tapping into some of the key needs that we all have as human beings. And, um, you know, this is something we talk about when we work with leaders in organizations and mm. helping people to develop their skills. But unfortunately, uh, you know, the the folks out there that are doing some of this trafficking and pimping are using these same strategies in order to attract, uh, you know, men and women to get involved in this. And it's sad to see this in print. But, um, but I also think it's important for us to look at this and to examine it because if, the, if they're using uh, these tactics, you know, we need to really look at what we're doing from a prevention standpoint to combat this because it's not going to be enough to put up a billboard or hand out flyers at school yeah or even have a class that tells you about it um but let's look at a few of the comments that this writer makes in this article he starts off with to really be successful pimping you have to understand maslow's hierarchy of human need players call it the pyramid that opening line blew me away because I think there is a stereotype or expectation that somebody doing this kind of business isn't very smart, mm -hmm. but they're using a theoretical framework that um, has been used for years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a strategy 
for recruitment. And he goes on to say, uh, and and actually, we should probably give a little overview of what the pyramid is. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Sandy, for those who don't know it, um, uh, this is something that's become a very popular model over the years. It was originally introduced by Abraham Maslow back in the 1970s. And uh, Maslow theorized that there are essentially kind of five levels of needs that we all have as human beings. And so it starts at the very bottom with we have physiological needs, all of us. So we have needs for food, water, shelter, warmth. Those are some basic human needs that if you don't have, you are going to do everything you can to really Mm -hmm. get those things taken care of first and really not worry about very much else. So that's level one of Maslow's hierarchy. And so the second level moving up from there is once you have those things, then you're going to be looking for what Maslow called safety. So some feelings of security, either actual security or a feeling of security, some sort of stability, uh, freedom from fear in, in your daily life and in your relationships and in your work. So that's kind of like the second level. And then Maslow theorized that if you got those two things taken care of, then you can start to move on to the next level of needs, which is belonging and to have love in your life. So to have friends, family, spouse, uh, lover, relationships, those types of things that you know that you are valued as a person and that you belong uh, in some way. And then uh, to move further up the the hierarchy here, there's two more levels. So level four would be self-esteem. So having some ability to achieve, to master things, to have recognition, uh, achievement orientation. So you have the ability to actually have some some level of achievement. And then finally, self-actualization, level five, to pursue one's inner talents, to have creativeness, to have fulfillment in what you do, um, to really be at the highest level of personal and and professional and self-development, which is a very cool place to get to Mm -hmm. as a person and to be able to have these needs met so you can be able to do that very successfully. Um, And so that's the hierarchy as it looks. Now, what's interesting is, of course, this is just as true for... um, you know, this model is just as true for for anyone, Sandy, whether oh, they yeah, are for me, for you, for me, um, all of us relate to this model in some way. And it's also true for people who are being trafficked mm-hmm. and the the people who are doing the trafficking, the pimps, uh, the traffickers, they know this model and they talk about it and they're writing articles about it. And so they are utilizing this model and thinking about how can we exploit people utilizing these steps and really trying to meet these needs. And unfortunately, Sandy, some of them are pretty good at doing it. Well, and there's, I get sometimes very frustrated when people talk to me about human trafficking and they mention chains and handcuffs and, and, um, almost prison like circumstances because really it's much less messy for someone to use these kinds of of techniques to recruit and to maintain the people that they're exploiting. And far more effective, too. So to go on to this article, it says, you know, uh, and I'm going down here about halfway through the article, it says that the third level of the pyramid are the human needs for love and belongingness, such as the love of family and friends. Usually the prostitute is not getting these needs met, and that's why uh, the easiest way to get started pimping is to fall in love with a a woman who is turning tricks. And so, uh, you know, just a, unfortunately, a really effective example of how utilizing that need of love and belonging can be utilized against a person to exploit them to do things they may not otherwise do. And Sandy, that's so more powerful than putting someone in chains. 
Absolutely. Because you are addressing their psychological needs for that. And that's why when we think about, well, why don't people just leave these situations is because a lot of times they they don't realize that they can and they don't necessarily want to because their needs are getting fulfilled of the people who do this well. They're getting fulfilled psychologically. In the last episode when we interviewed Harmony Dust and she introduced this this particular um, author to us, um, she said that women would stay in their situation because that's what they knew and, and they had that sense of feeling secure. It was a comfort zone as appalling as it may sound, it was still at some level meeting those very, very basic needs. They knew where they were going to sleep. They knew they were going to have safety and security that night. So when we go out and we want to do prevention with, say, the most at-risk population of maybe 12, 13, 14-year-old um, kids who come from some really difficult circumstances, they may be been in group homes or in and out of different placement situations. And we give them um, a handout that says, these are the dangers to look out for so that you won't become a victim of a pimp. And then we leave them and we don't know where they're going to sleep tonight. They don't know where they're going to sleep tonight. And then they meet somebody who meets that first need and say, oh, I've got a place for you to stay. Absolutely. Um, we, we need to be looking at our prevention strategies through the eyes of meeting those kinds of needs as well as just giving them information. And here's how the article ends. It says, if you meet the prostitute's needs at different levels of the pyramid simultaneously, you will make money. You've got to meet needs at the third and second levels while you're trying to find a way to get in at the fifth level. Then you will have a devoted woman pulling for you. You will call her your baby girl or your hope to die woman. Once you have that, you will enjoy the benefits of being an elevated pimp and know that this is the time to expand your empire. Your hope to die woman will help you recruit new women. She will think she is your business partner. And the think is bolded here in the article. Wow. Really disturbing. Really disturbing. But also really effective, Sandy. And, you know, speaks to the power of all the needs and the human needs that we all have. And, you know, you know, traffickers are very misguided and they're breaking the law and they're doing horrible things to people, but they are some of them very smart. And so they're utilizing this, these needs that we all have in a very perverted and messed up way in order to get what they want, which is to make money and have control over people. And so this raises the question then Sandy as well, you know, not to say that billboards and, and flyers and things like that don't have a place and don't help, but to think that that's going to be enough is probably a naive view for those of us who really want to think about how we can end human trafficking and do some things that will really help us to get there. So so this, of course, leaves us with the question, well, what should we do with this information now that we know that the traffickers are thinking about this? Well, I, I again, I think back to last um, episode when we interviewed Harmony. She was in that position. Mm-hmm. And the the way that she got out was not because someone gave her a flyer or a three-point strategy. Right. It was because one person began to build relationship and community with her. Yep, she did say that. And um, then you brilliantly took off from that, of course, with um, maybe I can't save the whole world, but if I can intervene with one person, that is my part of ending human trafficking. 
And so I think that when we start to build prevention models, um, we need to start from exactly the same place as as this article is. Um, we have to be able to say, yes, here's a way to make sure that you're safe and you have your basic needs met. And I'm not just going to give you information and then say, why didn't you listen to me? Mm-hmm. But I'm actually going to provide those alternatives. And that can't be um, something that is is in our system but doesn't have relationship with it. It has to have relationship. It has to build community. Because when you read the, the third level about love and belongingness, being safe is not enough. It's okay for a little while. But that basic need to belong and to experience affection and love and relationship, um, people are going to risk something to get that. Mm -hmm. And just making safe places is only the beginning. And how are we going to create prevention models that include that opportunity for, for community? Yeah. And if it doesn't make sense, just think about it in the relationship with the relationships that you have in your life. And I know I'm, you know, if I hear about something or a new idea or a product or service or something, you know, we could get for our house or something like that, you know, from just randomly in the world, Sandy, I don't pay much attention to most things that are just noise out there on the internet or whatever, our advertisements. But when uh, my wife, Bonnie, mentioned something to me that is interesting to her or is a new idea or something she's come across that gets really high on my radar screen um at the very least i look into it or i think about it or i give some thought to it and a lot of times we'll take action on something because it's important to her and i have a strong relationship with her and Mm. so that relationship influences a lot of the way that i look at the world and how I process things in the world and what I pay attention to in the world. And I don't mean that just on things we would buy, but also just how we process, how we would handle decisions in life and decisions we make about our son and just all kinds of things in the world. And really relationships are so can be utilized so powerfully, but also so um, harmfully too, depending on how that relationship structured. And relationships are very, very powerful in our lives. And we all have the ability to influence people so much more effectively through our relationships than we ever can just with information. And I, I um, am starting to look at this triangle, this pyramid, as uh, the writer calls it, and I want to see what that is going to look like next to prevention strategies, for instance, in a, a, a community with a lot of junior high kids at risk. Mm. And uh, then I want to challenge people who are developing prevention models to set up some sort of metric to evaluate your prevention model based on how are these needs being met Mm. and objectives that sound like this. And let me tell you, I'm a teacher, I've written it, um, that the student will um, hear this knowledge and be able to... um, repeat it back to me, and then be able to apply it to a problem um, will demonstrate that I've reached the objective in teaching this lesson. So if my teaching lesson is I want this um, 13-year-old to know that 
these guys that offer them an opportunity to be a model or a star, that this is likely just a bait to, to get um, the opportunity to exploit them. So I can teach them that information. But if there is no actual um, um, strength in where we are on that, that pyramid, mm-hmm. if, if I haven't anchored that to something on that pyramid, if it hasn't improved their um, basic physical safety needs and hasn't reached at least to that third level of belongingness and love, then um, yeah, they have some knowledge, but do they have something to hang on to that will keep them safe from um, predators that are looking for those that are out there and don't have those things? So like everything we do, Sandy, uh, I think it probably makes sense for us to think of, okay, as uh, as our listeners are hearing this and maybe thinking about this through a different lens than we've thought about this before, I know I have as we've started to look through this article and think about how people out there, unfortunately, are utilizing this model in very unfortunate ways. Um, what can we do? Like, how do we change how we think about things? And I know you mentioned kind of thinking of our prevention strategies, but you know, what, what can we do as, uh, as members of this community who want to end human trafficking and start to think in a different way? I think it's going to be a little bit tough for us because we don't, um, we, we're Americans, Dave, you and I, we, we pretty much like to go through a drive through and get what we ordered exactly the way we ordered it and not be inconvenienced by some kind of challenge in this. And, uh, you know, I'm so glad that we interviewed Harmony on the last podcast because um, one of the things she stressed is the first time you go and talk to someone to try to help them get out of this and you have the belongingness and you have the, the relationship and the community built for her to just step into. And that's what I Am Treasures is all about. Um, it still takes about seven times for them to try to do that. Mm. So we are already predisposed to look for a very quick fix prevention model. And that probably is very unreal. It's not probably, it is unrealistic. So we're going to need to start looking at other models that are not just looking at this as a human trafficking um, strategy. One of the things uh, that we talked about at our last um, Global Center for Women and Justice conference was the connection between child welfare and juvenile delinquency and where these kids move from being in the system, so to speak, they're in a foster program or a group home and, and then they run away because they're not happy and they don't feel secure They've got a place, they've got the first level, but they don't have the second or they don't have the third and they obviously don't have the fourth and fifth levels. Um, That puts them at risk. So how do we begin to intervene so that they do have that third level before it becomes? So prevention has to go further back upstream and it may not look like you're working against human trafficking. And I have students in my office almost every day who want to do something to end human trafficking. Mm -hmm. They want to make this their career. And so if you talk to them about um, working in foster care, they look at you and go, what? Oh, but 
If you're going to do prevention, which is going to be more effective, we, we remember the old adage that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, Right. then you could have a career in helping kids through the foster system, be a case manager, and be fighting human trafficking because none of your cases, none of those kids ever become victims because you have relationship with them, you've created a sense of, of belonging and appreciation, and that becomes the one thing that prevents them from being vulnerable and at risk for being recruited by someone who is offering a false love and belongingness, but using it in order to exploit that that young person. So I think part of what I'm hearing you say, Sandy, is that if we're wanting to go out and to look for ways to end human trafficking, of thinking of ways that we can invest in projects and opportunities that are going to be very sustainable over time um, and and doing that in a way that we can really give back in a very consistent way and lo- make a long-term commitment to really connect with people well is mm, that is that absolutely uh, and it's not very glamorous there it's not very glamorous if yeah. you're going to do prevention and you're a case manager and you have 120 cases as a social worker, these are 120 kids that for the next, during this season of their, of their growing uh, from 12 to 18. So that's six years, right? My math is never really very good. Yes. Um, six years. You are that level three that's going to get them to level four and level five. Mm. And when none of those kids becomes a victim, you are, you're my ending human trafficking champion. Yeah. That is, that is, evidence that you have done a successful job of prevention but we don't have any way of measuring and celebrating that kind of prevention success um yeah because it's not glamorous and we love glamour at least here in america and quick results and fast fast uh, turnarounds and that's one of the reasons sandy over the years i've really struggled with reaching out and doing volunteer work is that, and for a while I didn't do very much, is I really felt like a lot of the things you would be asked to do as a volunteer, like going to volunteer somewhere for two or three hours on a you know a Saturday afternoon or something like that, it just didn't feel very sustainable to me. I mean, it's great to do, and I don't mean to mm-hmm. I don't mean to knock organizations that get people together in large groups and you know get people to do something for three or four hours on a Saturday afternoon. They do wonderful work. Um, but I really wanted to do something more. That's one of the reasons I was so excited to partner with you on this podcast. We've been going now almost a year and a half, and I hope we'll continue to go for uh, many years on this. And, and I really have to say that that is continuity and commitment because um, you're a volunteer and right. you just keep showing up podcast after podcast. Yeah. And, and that is, that's, how, that's how we really build strong um, prevention models is that kind of commitment. Yeah, and I think that that's a good reminder for all of us when we're looking to engage with volunteer opportunities and connecting to people. It feels good to go somewhere every week or to volunteer a few hours here and there and to have the big you know, recognition ceremony at the end, everyone get together for dinner and all that. And all that's great to do. Um, so I'm not saying instead of, but in addition to, I think one of the things we can all challenge ourselves with is to look for the volunteer effort opportunities that aren't necessarily glamorous or fun or getting together with a whole group of people every weekend. 
um, but also to look for the opportunities to really invest in a person or an organization or a project over the long term and be willing to stick with it when it's not fun and exciting and when it is, um, you know, when it's tough and difficult and when you're hitting the obstacles with it. Um, and, and if we can do that, we really do have the opportunity to us to build relationships where we can influence people. At least we're a lot more likely to. I'm, I'm excited about beginning to incorporate this in my um, teaching, in my seminars, and challenging people who really want to make a difference and reduce the risk of the kids in their own neighborhoods, in their communities, in their state, in their country, to build this and look at how the, the recruiters are doing it. And we need to at least be as smart as they are. And I know, Sandy, that this is something that will become part of the conversation that we'll have at the conference coming up yes. this year that the Global Center for Women and Justice is sponsoring at Vanguard University. And mm-hmm. so before we go this week, uh, could you just give us a quick preview? I think we may have mentioned this a couple months ago, but on our on the opportunity for the conference coming up in yes. March of 2013. March 8th and 9th, um, Cyber Exploitation, Prevention, Protection, and Demand Reduction. Um, this is going to be great. Our keynote is Ernie Allen from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children mm. and Dr. Laura Letter, who was the senior policy advisor in the State Department on Human Trafficking for eight years. She's a favorite here in California. And, and a she's past gonna be guest back. on our show, too. That's right. That's yeah. right. And Lisa Thompson, also a past guest. Yeah. She's going to be there. Good. And uh, we will have an amazing um session on how we can be doing better prevention with cyber exploitation. And I'll tell you what, already, just by looking at what we've talked about today, I know that we're going to start looking at this through the lens of how are we meeting the needs of these kids? Why are they on the internet? What are they looking for? And we need to engage them at a place that is going to be just as attractive as anything that the recruiters are doing. And Sandy, I'd really like to challenge our listening audience um, to think about this conference and to think about participating. And and those of you who are tuning in, maybe for the first or second time to the show, um, you know, we're just so glad to have you. And I hope you stick around and continue to um, hopefully learn with us as we're studying this issue. Um, but what I'm, but who I'm talking to now are the people who've been with us from the very beginning. Those of you who've listened to 20, 30 uh, of our episodes uh, and listen religiously every two weeks to us, I'm so grateful for you. And I would also challenge you that if you have listened, if you've been following this podcast, if this issue is important to you, you should absolutely be at this conference. Uh, this this is something that is the that gives you an opportunity to interact with us, to interact with many of the guests we've had on this show in the last year and a half, and more importantly, to do exactly what we're talking about today, Sandy, which is not just building your knowledge, but building relationships with people who also care about this strongly and to get together and build a community with them. And so if that is something that is of interest to you, and I hope that it is if you've been a a long-term listener of this show, then go over to our website. It's gcwj.com. 
www.vanguard.edu and you will see information. There's information there on the conference and check it out. You can actually pre-register online. Uh, you know, weather is good in March in Southern California as it is most of the year. So that's a great reason to come out too. But more importantly, we want you to really learn as much as you can, but to build some really strong community here um, when you're out here at the conference. And Sandy, one other thing I want to mention before I let us go this week is Sandy was the guest on a podcast that I produce uh, uh-huh. called Coaching for Leaders. And it is um, some of you who listen know that I do business around as a leadership coaching and training. And I do a, a weekly podcast called Coaching for Leaders, which syndicates on iTunes. And Sandy was a guest a couple of weeks ago and did a fantastic um, uh, interview on storytelling. And I'm mentioning it here because if you uh, love Sandy's stories as I do, I would strongly encourage you to visit, check out that podcast. She tells some wonderful stories in relation to human trafficking. I shouldn't say wonderful stories. In tra- <laughs> I mean, they're not wonderful stories, but your ability to tell a story, Sandy, is really powerful. And you talk on that episode on how you utilize storytelling to reach out to people and to motivate people to take action. And so if that's something that you'd like to hear from Sandy, I encourage you to check that out. You can get there by going to coachingforleaders.com forward slash 51 was the episode that we did. Okay. Uh, so that's five one. So coachingforleaders.com forward slash five one. And you can hear more of Sandy and just some of the strategies she uses around storytelling. And I think that you'll learn a lot, but you'll also be really inspired by what she mentions on that episode. And Sandy, that's just going to about do it for our time here today. Just a reminder, if you have comments or questions for us, be sure to reach out to us by phone at 714-966-6361. That's a great way to reach us with comments or questions. Or you can email us. Yes, please email us at gcwj at vanguard.edu. And I would really like some feedback on this prevention model method that we are talking about today. So tell me what you're doing. Thanks a lot. Yeah. And if you have comments or questions for us on this model, we'd love to hear them. And hey, we'll do a whole episode on comments and questions again. We should do another uh, yeah, listener comment episode soon, uh, okay. Sandy. So we'll, we'll do that. Anyway, have a great uh, week, everyone. And we'll talk to you again in two weeks. Take care. 